Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, this is episode 246 of the show, and you're listening to part two of our feature with Josh Rutherford. He's a fantasy author and screenwriter, and uh, yeah, make sure you click that link in the show notes for uh, part one of that. It's episode 245. The interview with Josh was fantastic and uh, just such a great guy. Uh, today, though, you're going to be hearing his riveting reading that's done by Josh, and that's coming up here in just a couple moments, so make sure you stay tuned. Last week, I was speaking about an announcement that uh, I'm going to be having here pretty soon about some new things going on in the background for the show, behind the scenes, if you will. And as I was afraid, uh, we're going to have to hold off on that for maybe another week. Uh, we'll see We'll see how long it takes. I, I just really want to make sure everything's nailed down. And uh, I know exactly what... <sighs> I'm flubbing myself up here, but basically I just want to make sure everything is all set before I announce it and, and uh, you know, something that I think you all will enjoy. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Hey, make sure you are subscribed to the show on whatever platform that you're currently catching this episode on. I want to give a special shout out to all my new YouTube subscribers. Uh, that channel has been growing and growing steadily. And that's uh, that's a pretty cool thing considering, you know, I have static episodes. You know, there's no video. And to think that, uh, that I have that many subscribers on here checking out the show and people are... Uh, Man, people are enjoying those past episodes. That's that's a really fun thing, is, is that all these episodes are evergreen. So they're always available, and people are really enjoying some of those past episodes with uh, a lot of downloads every month, which is really cool. Hey, you know, I, one of the things I always tell everybody is, you know, I don't ask for anybody to leave a review for me. Don't worry about rating for me. You know, if you If you feel like it's on your heart to say something about the show or to leave the show rating, that's up to you. But what I really want you to do is every time you find a book because of this show, make sure you leave a rating and a review for that author, for that book. And you know what? Perhaps inside that review, if you want to mention that you found that book because of the Sample Chapter podcast, that would be just totally amazing if uh, somebody did something like that. But otherwise, if, if nothing else, just go leave a rating and a review for the authors that you hear on this show, the books that you find, because there have been so many good ones. And uh, I, I don't think there hasn't been a bad book on here yet. So, you know, unless, unless maybe mine. <laughs> but I'm biased. I do like my own books. So hopefully, hopefully people agree. <laughs> um, hey, if you want to reach out to me on behalf of yourself or to sub suggest an author, then you can do so via email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on social media and contact me there. I try to, uh, I, I do every week whenever there's a new episode that gets shared on here. I'm tagging the author, so that'll give you a way to follow them as well. And I try to do some sharing here and there. You know, speaking of social media right now, it's a great time for you to go ahead and follow Pop Goes the Culture Network, our podcast friends, and uh, I mentioned it last week. I'm actually right in the middle of a new poll that they have going on. It's 
favorite scary movie. And I'm I'm in competition against other podcasts and uh, podcast people, <laughs> where we're we're going up against each other. It's kind of a uh, you know the names get thrown into a generator, and then they go uh, versus each other. And this week, my pick of 1982's Poltergeist is up against the classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So. If you're interested in voting, you can do that on, it's either Twitter or Facebook. If you go in there and find Sample Chapter Podcast or Pop Culture Culture Network, you'll see the uh, the posts that are pinned to the top, and then you can uh, you can make your vote there. On Facebook, all you got to do is go to the bottom and make a post with your picks. So, like, Poltergeist is uh, pick number five. So you just say, number five. Or you can say, I vote Poltergeist. Uh, if you're on Twitter X, X Twitter, whatever you want to call it. X Twitter. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, if you go to X Twitter, uh, then it's an actual button you can click to uh, to do your vote. And then you'll get real-time results on how that's coming along. But anyway, yeah, make sure you're following along with uh, Pop Goes Culture as well. Uh, they have a lot of fun shows on that network, including yours truly. Uh, also, it's that uh, time of the year. We are we got some cool weather coming up, and that is telling me that I don't have enough Writer's Block Coffee. Uh, Writer's Block Coffee is an affiliate of the show. They have three amazing flavors of coffee. There's their standard Writer's Block Coffee blend, the Deadline Dark, sure to keep you up all night so you can meet those deadlines when you're burning the candle at both ends, and my personal favorite, the whiskey barrel aged blend and i'm gonna have to get some because i got cooler weather coming and i cannot wait for that and to sip on some more writer's block coffee as an affiliate of the show anybody who makes an order by either clicking that link in the show notes or using the coupon code sample chapter uh, a little bit of something comes back to the show and you save 10 percent on your order so what are you waiting for go ahead and click on that button down below for writer's block coffee hey uh just one other thing i want to throw out there i have also been creating some some new t-shirt designs in the t public store so you can go to well i'll put an ad excuse me i'll put a link in the show notes for uh, my t public store uh and i've got a lot of uh, t-shirts are in there already for the show and then also for uh, some of my books but uh, I've got some some new designs coming up here that I've uh, been inspired to do. And uh, we'll see if, if anybody likes some of those. And what's cool is that these are not only on just t-shirts, but there's also like hoodies and uh, sweatshirts. There's pillows, notebooks, coffee mugs, all kinds of uh, really cool stuff. So check it out. All right. Well, hey, without further ado, let's get on over to that great reading from Josh Rutherford. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, welcome back. This is part two of our series with Joshua K. Rutherford. Josh writes compelling, visceral stories for action and adventure fans that enjoy sword and sorcery tales, exploring deep topics such as race, sacrifice, loyalty, family, and love. We talked about all that and so much more last week, so make sure you click that link in the show notes to, uh, to hear the interview with Josh. But this week, we are back you're getting ready to hear a, a special sample chapter from book one of the Four Point Chronicles, Kinghood. 
So without further ado, I'm going to hand the floor over to my guest, Joshua K. Rutherford. Thank you so much, Jason. Today, I'll be reading from chapter one of Kinghood. And this chapter starts with our protagonist coming across a battlefield for the first time. He is young, he's coming of age, and he's still trying to find his place in the world. And to his excitement and dismay, the world is not what he expected it to be. So again, this is chapter one from book one of the Four Point Chronicles, Kinghood. How can this be? Such beauty among such despair. Red, black, red. The fibers jutting out from its core rose and fell, rose and fell. It crawled indifferent to what laid beneath its feet. Does it know? Moving from the moist soil, Caterpillar ascended onto a pale finger. Had the soldier been alive, the fibers on the insect would have tickled him. Alas, the soldier was not tickled. His finger did not move, nor would it ever again. Eyes, as though set in glass, stirred up at him. They dared not move, lest they betrayed the hand of death about to visit. The black center remained in place, neither expanding nor contracting. The color around the black, a soft hue of glacial blue, shifted not. The whites of the eyes stayed fixed in their place. The whole of them, unmoved, suspended in time, capturing the full effect of the soldier's last act. Simon studied the rest of the soldier's face. His whiskers had drops of dew, remnants of the fog that was slowly escaping the forest. His auburn hair glowed in the soft light of morning, even though it had been rough cut recently. Perhaps as he sat around a campfire or at a hearth enjoying a good meal, Simon wished. Such a soldier, one who died for my land, deserved such a memory. Your Highness, Simon's concentration broke. He looked up to find his right captain approaching. Our scouts have returned, Sir Everett said. They bring news of the Lemarian camp. Simon gave the auburn-haired corpse a furtive glance. He did not die for nothing. Take me to them, he commanded. With a nod and a turn, Sir Everett led the way. Simon followed in his wake, his strides long and strong, for they had to be. Every step he took was fraught with remnants of a battle lost. Sir Everett paused as the horse strapped with a travoy crossed his path, transporting a departed soldier with a mop of golden hair. The lad could not have been more than 20. Sir Everett bowed his head, made a fist with his right hand, and placed it over his heart, as did Simon. Do we have a count? Simon asked as they waited. Fifty-three of our own, from Harkins, Homage, Briscard, and Mallory, judging from their coat of arms, all deceased. They left no survivors, bloody bastards. And the enemy? Forty-seven dead. Our brave lads took as many as they could with them to the grave. Simon watched as a travoy headed in the direction of a row of graves, where his soldiers continued to dig. Unlike the auburn-haired soldier earlier, this one laid with his eyes closed. With that, Simon strode ahead of Everett. His steps, more determined and with additional haste, put him before his scouts within moments. Both men, strapping young riders around Simon's age and build, bowed their heads. Report, Simon ordered, his mood for pleasantries dissipated. We counted 200 strong, answered the one on the right, on the banks of the Chessa, west of the Burnwood. That close? 
A mile, I suppose, if you went straight through, replied the other, nodding. A little more if you wanted to hide your tracks, which we did, the one to the right confirmed. Simon scratched the stubble on the underside of his chin. Very good, he replied, the way you took. Show me. The camp was just as Simon expected. Pitch tents and lean-tos lined the meadow along the Chessa as long ships rested on the beachhead, their keels wedged into the sand. A few stumps and fell trees spoke of the camp being fresh, for not much in the way of wood had been harvested. The men, Simon noted, appeared alert and well-rested. Nari have seen much in the way of battle. Their last skirmish with my countrymen troubled them little. I will need to change that. Like all the Lumerians he had seen in engagements of the past, these men were brutish to row and fight. Their bodies testified to their time at oars. Coils of their strength stretched from their forearms up to the base of their necks. Muscle atop muscle made their shoulders massive, as though a layer of armor laid underneath them. Unkept beards and lengths of hair hung from all of them, adding to the allure that these warriors were more bare than man. Simon looked to his men. The two scouts, though this was their second time viewing the camp, appeared on edge. One laid on his belly beside them, having trekked up the hillock that overlooked the bank. The other, away down yet still in view, stayed by the horses. Their fear was subtle, but it was there. In the way they glanced over their shoulders, by how they shifted their eyes at every motion or sound, they strained to remain quiet and move with a sense of caution that was unnecessary, even in scouting. Even Everett, to his right, was too pensive in his movements. What happened next only worsened their anxiety. From the west, a hunting party hiked back into camp, bringing with them four caged hens, a dozen waterfowl, a cow, and two young women. The women, bound but ungagged, wept as the Lumerians holding the leashes of their bindings pulled them forward. Seeing the looted prizes, several Lumerians rose from their cook fires and cheered. Many eyed the women, Many more gazed at the cow. They have not eaten, Simon realized, not in a while. A few ambitious Lumerians worked to put an end to that. They grabbed their battle axes and approached the cow. The Lumerian leading the bovine, a green warrior with a beard shorter than the rest, held out his hand to stop them. The one closest to him, twice his size with a beard three times longer, shoved him aside. In one fell motion, he raised his axe above his head to swing it down into the cow's neck. Blood splattered back onto his face as the beast wailed and fell. Bone and flesh protruded from its thick trunk, but the cleave had not cut clean through. The next Lumerian with an axe had his turn, nearly slicing all the way. The third, as determined as the others, finished the job, eliciting more cheers from his brethren and tears from the captive women. The scout swallowed his breath. Very well, Simon told himself. That is enough of that. Simon broke their concentration with a few gestures, urging all of them back to the horses. Once gathered, he led them away from the hillock until he saw their breathing return to a respectable rhythm. How many did you count, Simon asked, at your first scouting, and this time? The scout cleared his throat. Nearly a hundred. Soldier, your manners, Everett rebuked. My apologies, my liege, the soldier offered. He cleared his throat again before addressing Simon. Your Highness... I counted nearly a hundred during the first scouting. This time, I counted over a hundred, perhaps up to fifty more. More, Simon thought. Returned from hunting and foraging, you think? No, more ships came ashore. Right, soldier? True, he replied. Same number of boats, my liege. 
Any sign of their warlord? Simon asked. The soldier stopped, considered. None, your highness. The news disturbed Simon. How many more Lumerians roamed the banks of the Chessa, or the Upper East Waterlands, or Northern Marland herself? He pondered the possibilities. Are my men back at the battlefield safe? The four of us scouted the Lumerian camp, but were we unseen? How do we know that we ourselves have not been scouted? Such was battle, he reminded himself. The reality we live in. Every day we are on the front, until we are not. Despite their detours, the backtracking, the sloshing through the streams and creeks, over rock and stone to cover their tracks, the four found themselves back at the scarred landscape of their brethren within the morning. By then, several of the fallen had been buried, with only a handful yet to be laid in the ground. Simon scanned his surroundings. Any of his men would have thought he was surveying the landscape in search of a new route by which to travel, or in consideration of dangers gone previously unseen. For Simon's gaze searched for no new threat or path, it sought and found the depression in the earth, where the blue-eyed, auburn-haired had fallen, where a caterpillar had traversed, leaving soil and corpse behind, where trees and grass would rise. Simon thought he located the spot, but he wasn't sure. Truthfully, what did it matter? Simon did find, however, the armor that had been stripped from the soldiers. It rested on the ground beside the graves. Had the soldiers fell nearer to home, where their families could have attended to their bodies, then they would have had the choice of burying the dead in full armor or keeping it as a memento of their lives in service. This far north, though, did not allow for such pleasantries. Here, as in any other distant field of battle, soldiers were buried plainly and their armor saved from the earth. For he's either passed along to their fellow brothers in arms that it may serve to try to save another, or carried back home with other warriors and presented to the grieving families that they may have something to remember their loved ones. Or notwithstanding sentiment, such families may sell it for a bit of spare coin that they may live better. Highness. Simon broke his trance to turn his attention to Everett, who nodded to the men. Their posture, the curves of their mouths, their eyes, all of them reflected a range of emotions the kind that could only come from the prospect of battle. They were eager for news, for a plan, for any action that could lead to glory. They were vengeful, for some had known the fallen, whether as relatives, neighbors, or brethren in arms. They were cautious of all the dangers had taken their fellow soldiers, of the enemies that remained unseen beyond the boundaries of the forest. Most of all, they were forlorn, for the sight and stench of death, whether it be their brothers or adversaries, is enough to lessen the spirits of the most hardened soldier. Simon considered all of it, the men before him, their swelling of emotions, the possibility of victory and failure. A heavy burden, he reminded himself. What could possibly amount to my largest battle to date? How did father do it? Simon turned his attention to the piles of armor that lay scattered by the men who had dug the graves. Yet to be scrubbed clean, the outerwear bore all the scars and stains of battle. Yes, Simon told himself. Yes, he said, this time aloud, as a whisper. Pardon? Everett began. A plan, Simon replied. I have a plan. Alright everyone, that was Joshua K. Rutherford reading a sample chapter from book one of the Four Point Chronicles, Kinghood. Man, I loved it. That was fantastic. Uh, Josh did a great job reading from it. And make sure you click the link in the notes down below 
for Josh and his books, you know, and everywhere that you can find him. Uh, make sure you're also clicking the links for our podcast friends, uh, Writer's Block Coffee, and if you're interested in the Tee Public store. And don't forget to click that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I'm back with a new author, a new book, and an all-new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. 